Have you ever wanted to tell your story about narcissistic abuse? My next, next guest is Brandon from Narcissist Apocalypse, and he does interviews in his podcast with survivors, and he has survivor stories out there. So we're going to talk about how he got started and how he has built this empire for people to share their experiences as well as talk to experts. I'm so blessed to have been on his show a couple times, and he is just a, a wildfire of amazing information. So uh, let's get started with Brandon. And um, if you are new to my channel, my name is Tracy Malone. I am the founder of NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. It is a global resource for everything that you might look for and need in the narcissist healing world. So we'll put the URL down below, but visit my website. If you haven't subscribed to my channel, please subscribe, like the video, put that little reminder button on, and you'll find out when I launch another interview. So let's get started with Brandon. Welcome, Brandon. Thank you so much for joining me. I love having you on my show. Well, thank you for having me, and thank you for being on uh, my show as well. That's right. And and your show, let's let's start off by telling everybody. So you have a podcast show as well as I believe it goes on YouTube, right? Uh, we have a podcast that can be found on every single uh, podcast app available. We're also on uh, YouTube as well. Finally caught up uh, on all of the back episodes to make it onto YouTube. So we're re-releasing the old ones and new ones at the, at the same time. We're just kind of doing it um slowly because the youtube audience is new huh. and, and therefore there we don't want to like be anyone to be missed so we're kind of we're timing it out nice very smart good thing so everyone will find you by looking up narcissist apocalypse and you have a great instagram present as well so you have been doing this for a while what led you to have a podcast about narcissistic abuse so about uh, five years ago, I had a, a website. It was a, a phobia website, and there was a lot of mental health blogs that I did on there as well. And one of the things that I was writing was called How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse. And that was uh, an interesting kind of format in the way I did it. And eventually, I wanted to make it into uh, a book. And at the beginning, I used, it was all fictional, but I used elements of like here, bits and parts of my life of, of things that I'd gone through and then kind of made up some absurd, absurd stories, which I then eventually later found out were not that absurd at all. And at a certain point, I wanted to make it into a book and it got further and further down the road. And I was like, well, who's going to buy this? And uh, I started up a podcast and the podcast was a humor show because my, my book, I wanted to backdoor people. So they came for like a humorous version of like this, this topic that was very, uh, you know, topical. It was like of the day and of the time. And then uh, on the third episode of recording it, uh, I was with a friend and I noticed that something was wrong and like my humor was not great. It's easier to write everyone uh, humor without actually doing it live. <laughs> and it's a two different ball games. So uh, I started questioning my friend. I said like, what's going on? And we just started talking about <clears throat> uh, her experience in a relationship. And at that point, uh, you know, I was like, okay, put it out into the world, went out into the world. I didn't, you know, think of anything. We had no listeners. Uh, 
mm-hmm. or I thought, and then one person who happened to listen to the show uh, a few weeks later, four weeks later to be approximate, uh, emailed me and said, don't do the funny stuff, which wasn't funny, and just <laughs> do interviews like that, because that interview helped me. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. And eventually, you know, I found a stranger and that stranger grew up in a dysfunctional home and we talked and we had the same personality. So I could, I could finish that person's sentences. I knew exactly how they were going to act or react to certain things. It was really cathartic to talk to them. And I put that episode out and, you know, same amount of time later, uh, a new person got back to me and said, do that again. That helped me. So I was like, okay, that was like an interesting human experience. Um, and I was, you know, kind of sitting there, okay, I'll do that. And I went, changed my Instagram from my old website, go, and I changed it to how to survive the narcissist apocalypse. It has since been shortened. And I just said, like, uh, this is what I'm doing now. Like, who does anyone want to be a guest on the show? And I was just like, I couldn't believe it. It was like from, you know, Singapore to Germany to France, the United States, Australia. People just started emailing me or direct messaging me through Instagram. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I just was, and I just kind of went. And from that point forth, you know, from living in dysfunction and knowing, you know, what dysfunction was and being in a, I was a co I'm a codependent person. So being in a relationship where I'm a codependent and the other person isn't, you still kind of understand some of the things that are going on with people that are in like the abuse realm. And then it became a lot of, okay, I'm just helping people tell their stories and then realizing after a while, you, you know, what am I doing? Like, what is this thing that has been created? And not realizing like what is actually happening and then and coming to the terms of the fact like, oh, this is like not just me talking to people over the internet anymore. This is like me helping facilitate people uh, learning and people healing, people escaping and all of these things. And that was not my intention. I mean, I was like, you know, originally I was like, someone eventually came to me and said, when are you going to put out that book you were writing? I'm like, well, that kind of doesn't matter at the moment. Like maybe one day, you know, that'll eventually re, but like, I'm too busy trying to figure out what I'm actually doing. And when I say like, what am I doing? I I mean, uh, many, many years ago, uh, I was at a pre-intervention for someone and we were sitting there and there was uh, family members in the room and there was a psychologist there and there was a social worker there. And when you're in the narcissistic abuse space and in the domestic violence space, you know, you hear a lot of stories of when a police officer might come to the house after something is someone's been called. And all of a sudden, the person who made that phone call, you know, feels guilty and they feel uh, they they're like they can see the consequences of what might happen to the person or even themselves after this is over. So in that room that day, people got that kind of going on, and this psychologist that was there saw it. And I was very quiet because my role in my family was more of the uh, you know you're looking at the the chart of like is this person a scapegoat? Is this person a golden child? Is this person a lost child? 
you know, I had interesting family dynamics. Everyone was different at uh, kind of at a certain point. I would never say that I would ever be a scapegoat. I had like my situation was with an other member of the family and not uh, a parent specifically. And so in this room, I was the kind of lost child in a way. I didn't have a voice or whatever I voiced about a situation wasn't heard. So in this situation, this person says, all of these people aren't telling the truth. You know the truth. And I go, wow, people are about to listen to what I have to say here. I'm the youngest. So, you know, I was a kid who saw everything. It was like, don't rock the boat. But even when I tried to say something, it just wasn't heard. So I broke into a story, which it could have been corroborated by someone who wasn't in the room, but at least it could have. And uh, there was a member, uh, there was a person in the room that said, how come you never told us that? And then they, and then I said, I got another one for you. And they put their hands up in front of their face and said, I don't want to know. And I said, and this is why we are sitting here right now. And I consider that day to be uh, a, a, my biggest day, my best day. And it was a day where this individual uh, gave me a voice in front of my family where they had to hear me. Not that they technically heard me, but as an adult, I got this. And that started a very slow process of me being like, you know what? That felt good. How do I kind of start creating boundaries? How do I start doing those things? And and how do I maneuver? So that person gave me a momentum and th that I realized very early on, oh, that person that that I get to be that person for other people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of my my responsibility. And, um, you know, it's a pleasure doing so, uh, you know, because I know how uh, huge that was for me. So that's why in the tagline of the show, I say I give a voice to survivors of abuse, because a lot of time no one is listening to what they're saying. And, and now, you know, we give an opportunity for people to be heard. And that's such an important thing that you are doing because it, it they just nobody hears them. So to get onto your show and to be heard, to be seen, to be validated, so important. And you know, you and I both know that what these people have been through is horrifying, shocking, traumatic, and everything that they've gone through, nobody believes them. It's sort of like, oh, everyone gets a divorce, move on. Just, you know, everyone has a crazy family, move on. You know, it's it's so invalidating to be a victim. So to be able to have a platform like yours to get out there and be heard is amazing. I remember making one of my first videos and, and I was recently out there and I'm like deleting old ones. I'm like, man, those are seven years old. They're just like bad. <laughs> like I was very emotional. And, you know, but it was my healing as well at that time. And so it really did help me. Are you still shocked when you hear stories? Um, occasionally, there are ones that are um, shocking. Uh, we did one recently where it was very, very difficult. I, it was the most uh, trigger warnings I ever put on an episode. That was very difficult when it's like, when it when it veers away from like just emotional abuse and it goes into other forms of abuse, that kind of stuff is um, hard to hear. Uh, but as far sometimes you know I'm I'm fascinated by the psychology of everything, 
And, you know, we try to show a lot of the time, so there's less shame, how anyone can be um, taken, how anyone can be abused. And we try to kind of show a roadmap of how it can be done. And, you know, sometimes there's real good people that are at finessing. Mm -hmm. And then there's the real crude ones who are like just banging and ramming their head into a fence. Sometimes with the people who are like the finessers, sometimes you come up with like, some really interesting long plays where they can like get you on the con. You know, everyone loves a con movie in, in those sense. And I've been conned, you know, pretty good a few times. And even when I was con, I remember a specific one, I won't go into details, but I remember when I, the punchline of it hit and I was like, I have no choice here but to go along with it. And I internally, knowing I was losing, applauded the, um, the, you know, they're smart when the cons are like that. The brilliance of how they planned it out to get to that point. I was like, way to go. You know, way to, like, that was good. That was good. And I couldn't, uh, you know, I, now I know I could have said no. Mm -hmm. But back then, I was just like, I can't say no. There was like my, the way I was, my internal thing that was running me, like I was like, oh, I can't say no to this person when they, when they did this. But today I would be like hard, no, get it. Like, look at, I, I would point out every little thing now, how they got to it and like how tricky they were. Whereas back then I was too scared to do so because of the aftermath of what I might hear. Right. But now I'm like, okay, no, I have no problem telling you what I think of you and what you just did. Yeah. And, and that's the power of recovery, right? We're yes. seeing it from an Eagle's view down versus when we were in the fire pit, like my early videos and what you're describing here was sort of like the deer in the headlights. And you're like, okay, this is weird. All right, I'll go along with it, right? But you're still sitting there, your, your intuition, your stomach is in knots. You're going, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. But like, again, situationally, and all victims know this, situationally, sometimes there isn't a choice, right? Sometimes you're mm -hmm. in. And you've got to get through that particular moment, or if you speak up or if you do the next level, then you could end up in worse trouble. So like, you just suck it up. Let's get through this. Then we'll deal with it. Right. So, you know, it is, it is a valuable lesson that people are hearing this because everybody experiences it, um, you know, and then, and that sort of, I didn't have a choice. And that's what so many survivors struggle with people understanding that you know do you hear that a lot is my friends don't get it my family thinks i'm crazy um again that invalidation is what you're bringing to people i mean yeah, and that, it, yeah the validation is and that's that that's the biggest thing i i think with the show which is you know people are coming on to share their stories but i like to get them prepped now in the sense of yeah you're sharing your story and you're gonna get validation or, or whatever you're gonna get from being it but you have a job to do as well. And like, you are now not just telling your story, you yourself are an educator mm -hmm. and your job is to point out everything. Your job is to share your feelings. Your job is to connect to people so they understand that these are their feelings too, which they, which they can't explain. And their job is to be as much as an educator. And I'm just there to facilitate like, what's the best way within your story to get that education out there. 
Yeah. And and that was something both you and I had to like learn. Oh shit, we've got responsibility here. And it was kind of funny. And and it, like it literally it was like seven years ago, and it was how narcissists are made. And I definitely did it. And it was like stupid. It was sort of like, you know, when the spaceships used to come and, and they'd take the guy in and they'd probe something up their butt and send them back down. I'm like, that's them. <laughs> okay, I can't do that shit anymore because people like listen to me now. That was my own personal journey, right? But um, it 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 is a, a big thing to learn that you know what we say is is being heard again i've got this map behind me of all the little pins from all my clients all over the world right so it doesn't matter i've got people in singapore going i'm listening to your podcast as i walk through the market you know it is powerful and we have a responsibility as well all the people that you interview to see that hey it's not just about you now you're stepping into this educator sir thriver mode mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not something I take uh, lightly. And, you know, I had to learn a lot of stuff. You know, I had my own experience of, you know, this world. But then, you know, I I am a man. I am a single man. I've never been married. I don't have children. I had to learn about court. I had to learn about custody. I had to learn about all these things. So speaking over the years to uh, lawyers, mediators, uh, Bill Eddy, you know, uh, which was fantastic from the High Conflict Institute, um, you know, the professionals from uh, enmeshment, you know, gaslighting experts, everything like that, you know, you're constantly learning. And that's the one thing about this that um, I'm constantly learning. And every time I think, oh, you know, I still learn from everyone who comes on the show and, you know, the show has had so many different versions to me. Uh, like I noticed them that like, oh, I learned something from this person. I go and incorporate it. And, you know, we had on uh, Evan Stark who wrote the book on course of control. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said, I want you to try and start bringing up rights. These are your rights, not just like the negative things, kind of just give people the idea that they have a right to this. They have a right to that and pop that in, in, in certain places. So that one's a little bit harder to remember, but I try to kind of, when I can be like, that is your right, or like bring in those little things. So people get the reminder that they have rights. So yeah. just little things. And then the format gets tweaked over time, sometimes for better. Sometimes I'll get a lot of complaints, like, don't do that. Um, but you know, you learn as you go along, um, and then you try and keep it as human as possible and, you know, as human as possible without being clinical, uh, you can't kind of uh, get around that all the time, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's just one of those things people connect to people. And I think that's the best way people learn, mm -hmm. um, through other people's experiences. Absolutely. I remember when I first started my Facebook group, I was just like, they could, they could have a, a narcissistic landlord, a neighbor. I was like, what? I, I mean, again, my world was at that point imploded from boyfriend to, oh God, husband, to, oh God, family. You know, I had the spectrum, but I never knew about you know, neighbors. <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to become an expert on that. And, and and now I'm apparently an expert on daughter and son-in-laws, right? So it's just that the more we learn, the more people we help. 
and you know I just got back from a trip and I was reading in the pool a book on narcissistic mothers and adult children um, and again we just keep learning I'm interviewing her next week so I'm like what does she have to say and what a good format that was and oh how helpful this will be for other people right so we are constantly learning um, so that it's not our stuff we are bringing in what these experts are, mm -hmm. are us and in order for to have me to have that psychologist i'm like i'm gonna read her book and i'm gonna make sure i know everything that i want to suck out of her during the interview because that's our goal is what's the most important thing people need to hear about this mm -hmm. um, do you do you have more men that step up or do you have more women that step up um we have way more women our audience is 87 percent women um we're selective on the men that come on and a lot of it that is due to the tone of voice mm -hmm. um because more because we have such a, a big woman uh female audience with men the tone of voice it makes a big difference when someone is listening so if it if someone is a very angry tone then i can't put it on because uh, no one will listen it'll be triggering for too many people so when we find the men i'm like okay perfect you know um this is you know they're calm and a lot of the time that is because they've been out of it for so many years mm -hmm. that they have they've been able to kind of bring it down a little and really talk about it from um a perspective of not just being educated about it just not being triggered but they're really able to dissect what happened in a way that when you're in it, um, it is very difficult to see everything. And it's not to say that we wouldn't, we don't put those types of episodes on. We do occasionally, but, and we do that because there is a segment of the audience that um, wants to hear that. But I think in, in the grand, like the long term, you know, in the grand scheme of things, having people further out of it um usually provides the most uh education and because they have just a lot more perspective that has happened uh for them during that time and the healing process is done and i like to show that people like the healing process can happen and that like they're everybody's healing is different and you get to hear those things mm -hmm. so you know i had one episode where oh this person's healing process was fantastic so we shortened up the story of what happened to them pretty quick so we could just hear them talk about the process of their healing longer so we try to change it up even though you know everyone be like well it might be the same story everyone's story is different and everyone's experience of the situations and reactions are different um and then everyone's feelings and how they describe their feelings and everyone's um job is different we have therapists on our show we've had ceos on our show we've had people on welfare on the show we've had people from all spectrums uh all genders uh we uh you know all races religions you know it's it doesn't like it, abuse knows no bounds and so you know, it's good, great to have the cross section, everyone. So someone would be like, that's me. There's that, that is me. Absolutely. And, and I think, as you said, you know, while, while neither one of us have a huge audience of men, those that do listen, you know, are normally able to adapt to, okay, I hear that this is, you know, for women, I, I better yeah. 
learning too. It, it's that bird's eye perspective I was talking about before where the emotions are not attached to it anymore, right? It's like a trigger. When we get triggered, the emotions come back from that event. However, if we are just having a flashback of a memory, then we're not going, oh, the, the, the emotions don't come and cripple you as you're telling the story. And that's an important part. I was, when I was just on vacation, I was um, sitting on the ocean and jet skis were, and I'm like, wait a second. I pull out my pad. I'm like, I have a, a jet ski story that I've never really thought of or processed in 15 years. And I, I jotted down what happened and, and my ex was, it was before we were even married. And he rented this jet ski in Florida and he was doing donuts and I'm holding on and we're going as fast as it could be. And I'm screaming. I'm like, stop, you know, you can't do this. And he just like spun so fast that I skipped across the water, like a, a rock being skipped. And then he just kept going. He, he left me there. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it was like the most horrifying experience. But retrospectively looking down from it, all these years later, I went, oh my God, he gaslit me. He he did this. Like I could name the things that happened. And I, I sat there and I wondered, like, I wonder if that's the first time he gaslit me. You know, told everybody I was being a big baby. He wasn't really going 90 miles an hour and throwing me off. All of it was like, when we get a memory like that, the difference between just a memory and going, oh, let me look at that versus Oh God, don't put any jet skis in my eye view. I don't want to see them because I'll go down that rabbit hole, right? So we're, we're, we're taking out the emotions to really dissect what the heck happened. And, and that makes it easier for people to listen to. And it mm -hmm. gives them hope to go, I want to be that. I want to, I want to get, they've got so much like me and I want to be that when I get through this. So, um, you know, it, it is about looking at it from a higher perspective where the emotions are not still glued to us, you know? Yeah, well, those are, you know, with those people who are in, in that part of their, their healing, it's just, you know, as you said, like being able to look at your old situation there with, um, you know, the jet skiing, you know, you're able to look at it in so many different layers that could possibly going on because part of the healing is the education part which is, you know, when people come and they find you as everyone who's listening to this, you know, when I started to delve into research, when I started doing my show, you're one of the first sites I go to, um, you know, when you're trying to, to learn about it and the education of, of all of it is a big part of the process because people want to know who they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. uh, people really want to know the ins and outs of, okay, that happened then they can start connecting the dots to everything and when you put your investigator hat on it was whichever which everyone is doing everyone starts to be the investigator and then you can really go through all the processes of your life and be like okay that's happening then they cross their t's they're dotting their i's and they start to make their decisions very informed decisions because they're doing homework a lot of people will start to do journaling, even their journaling, they might not believe what they just journaled. So they'll have to go through the cycle again to then re-journal again. And, you know, that's just part of the education uh, process. And once you're kind of done that process, you know, everyone feels like they're the, an expert because they are. 
I mean, they've done so much homework to get to that point, to, to get to look at a situation and go, oh, before I just looked at it as like this, this jet skiing thing. But now I'm like, oh, that probably happened and this and that. Then they probably went to their family after and were just like smeared me there, sowed seeds of doubt on me over there, came back. That's why their family was acting funny towards me, but no one was saying anything to me. So you can start to be like, especially when things like that, when someone's acting funny, you're like something now must have been said after that. So when people are able to really put all those things together, you know, it, you know, they themselves feel whole and validated and being able to validate yourself, not just getting validation from other people is huge at, at that point. So. And that's what the education part is, right? That's why, you know, people watch YouTube, listen to podcasts. They are sitting there gobbling it up for breakfast. I used to drive in the car. I couldn't be in the grocery store without somebody on my headphones um, educating me. And, you know, this is what they need. They need that. And so what you're doing is an amazing service. And I am so grateful that you're out there. Is there anything that you want to tell survivors as a closing thought to just be like, one closing thought survivors, what would you tell them? Well, the biggest thing that people say on the show is um, at the end, when we do words of wisdom is, is just trust your gut. And I always like to say this to people, your gut was always right. Mm -hmm. You know, your gut was always right. It's not that you didn't have to trust your gut. Your gut was always right. Someone else was there who was doing their best to overwhelm that feeling so you didn't feel it before. It's not that you can't trust yourself. Someone else threw all of this stuff all over it so that feeling was on the lower level and everything was piled up so you couldn't feel it anymore. But you always knew your gut was right. So you don't have to trust your gut. You can already, you know, you just, it's there. Like, it's not that you, you know, you knew and the other person, you know, just, so, you know, it, cause a lot of people don't trust themselves in the aftermath of everything, but the reality is you, you were right the whole entire time and that's, you should be proud of yourself and you did nothing wrong. Um, you just were dealing with someone who unconsciously or consciously like had these kind of tendencies and was able to just blanket everything over and the feelings that you were feeling might've been their feelings now because it's everything is about them. And, you know, your feeling is, you know, secondary or minimized at that point. So. Yeah. Well, that's really good advice. I love the listen to your intuition, know where it feels like in your body when things aren't right. Like you just get that gut feeling you get maybe tight in the shell. You're like this, if those things are happening, listen to your body, listen to your intuition and um, start the healing process. Okay and as well as the education process too. So, thank you so much for being on here today. Uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, everyone can find me at NarcissistApocalypse.com and our app, sorry, and our podcast as well is on every podcast app, Apple, Spotify, CastBox, uh, Google Podcasts, no matter what podcast app you're using, you will find it on there. We're on Instagram, uh, at Narcissist Apocalypse. We're on TikTok at Narcissist Apocalypse. And 
Um, we're on Twitter, but we don't really use Twitter very much. But um, yeah, just NarcissistApocalypse.com. You, you'll find us there. And um, we're looking forward to 2023. Yeah. And maybe 